Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Encouraging Others Through Christ. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about what does it feel like for somebody who has grown up in the evangelical faith tradition to walk away from that faith tradition. Now, this podcast, Encouraging Others Through Christ, is now a podcast that is devoted to those who are on a spiritual awakening journey, and also those who are going through a deconstruction process, or maybe you're in the process of reconstructing what it is that you have chosen to believe. I do want to point out for anybody who is brand new to this podcast, and this is the very first time that you're listening to this, this is not your typical Christian podcast. And in many versions of Christian doctrine, this would be the opposite of a Christian podcast. As I have decided for myself to explore multiple different spiritual paths that are beyond the Bible. Now, with that being said, I do consider myself to be a Christian, and if you want to learn more about this, go all the way back to episode 000 of this podcast titled, Listen to This Episode First, if you want the full backstory. Now, about two weeks ago, I published a post on Facebook, and it was the very first time that openly I talked about my spiritual awakening and deconstruction journey in this public forum with many thousands of people who have followed me over the last, well, gosh, 20 years on Facebook, however long Facebook started, as soon as it was opened to an EDU-only audience and it was open to anybody who had a college address, I signed up for Facebook. So I've been on there for that long. Up until about three and a half years ago, I identified myself as an evangelical Protestant even fundamentalist Christian, and a majority of those people who chose to follow me and the content that I create over the years have been people who resonated with those aspects of me. They very much told me over and over again how much they admire how I'm able to infuse my faith in who I am, how I show up in the world, and the way that I communicate, even when talking about things like business and family and stuff like that without bashing people over the head with the Bible, but just always being that encouraging source. And you could just tell that you're not ashamed to speak to the faith that you have and what you believe when it is appropriate. And just the way that you do it with gentleness and respect. And this is something that I've been appreciated for over and over and over again. Well, That was mostly when what my belief system was, was in alignment with what their belief system was. Some people, and it's only a few, by the way, have been very triggered by what I've experienced over the last three and a half years, and it's only been little bits publicly where I've openly discussed you know, some of the changes in how I see the world and my relationship with God and and how I've changed completely my stance and my beliefs and my feelings about the Bible and all sorts of other things. So if you are interested in learning more about how things have shifted, episode 150, just one episode back, was an interview with such a friend of mine who I've been a friend with for many years. He's still 
would consider himself to be an evangelical, inerrant Bible word of God or the God of the Bible follower. And and he had expressed his concern to me about the direction that I'm heading and hosting and facilitating a community like this. And so I invited him to come on my show and interview me about my process. And so if you haven't listened to episode 150 right before this, that might be a good episode as well. But I did publish this post on Facebook that says, hey, has anybody else been going through, I'm just, I'm just curious, have you been going through a spiritual awakening journey over the last several years or maybe longer? Maybe I'm just late to the game here. Have you been going through a deconstruction process? Have you been dismantling one right after the other, the things that you have adopted and been living your life as this is the ultimate truth and this is the conclusion? Have you found yourself picking apart those things and finding yourself removing those beliefs from your life? If so, I'm thinking about facilitating a community. Now, as you know, I've made the decision to facilitate that community. You can sign up for all the email updates at awakening.cliffravenscraft.com if you haven't done so already. But on that post, among the various different comments that are on there, my dear friend Richard Charles Marcotte. I used to go to church with Richard back in the days when I was the associate pastor and pastor of small groups. So Richard and I go way back is what I'm trying to say. And we certainly had initiated our relationship and our friendship in the local church, the evangelical local church. So it was interesting to see his name pop up immediately as soon as I published this post on Facebook. And he wrote this comment. Check out a new podcast called Kinda evangelical and he gave me a link and it says currently there are three episodes all are good but episodes one and three are more on your topic of course i was very appreciative of this whenever you post something out there if somebody thinks that they've heard some things that might resonate with what you've got going on they like to make suggestions and when you have a sizable community sometimes I can feel like, oh my gosh, here's here comes that long list of things that books that are gonna people are gonna tell me to read and all this other stuff. And what I've learned to do over the years is to show my appreciation for those things, to make a documented list of what's been recommended, and if I feel led to in the moment, to kind of click through, check, see what it is, and write a couple of notes about it. Now Given the fact that there were only three episodes, and he said episodes one and three are very much keyed in on this topic, I figured, okay, I might check that out. So I went ahead and subscribed to the podcast. And then what happened was I listened to the first episode, and it's a podcast called Kinda Evangelical with Pete Briscoe. Now, I'd never heard of Pete Briscoe before being given a link to this. I can tell you just from what I've discovered from the three episodes of this podcast that I've listened to so far, that he is the son of a pastor in Texas, and he had also become a pastor and had a media ministry in a very large church and was pretty well known. And of course, this would be a very evangelical, and if I'm not mistaken, I think he might have even said fundamentalist church. 
it's like, okay, there's a lot of resonance there with his experience in this kind of uh, structured organization where doctrine and dogma and adherence to a very specific way of viewing our relationship with God. I was like, okay, he introduced himself for just a little bit, and then he says, I want to speak to those of you who are stepping outside of this limited way of seeing the world and who feel alone on the process. And then I'm like, okay, now I know why Richard recommended this podcast when he saw this post because he then, Pete Briscoe, proceeded to read something that he had written. It's called The House. And it's a metaphor for this journey of deconstruction. I'm going to share it with you now. I've waited for about two weeks. As soon as I heard this, I immediately emailed Pete and asked for permission. I then got a message from somebody on his support staff, and they said, we'll forward this on to Pete. Hopefully, he'll respond to you soon. He did respond. He says, you know, Cliff, I don't know you. I'm a little nervous about this. Can you tell me a little bit more? I wrote back and said, I would be nervous as well. You have no idea who I am. I told him a little bit about my backstory, what I've got going on. And he wrote back. He said, you know what? Let's do it. Yeah, go ahead and do me a favor. Let me know when the podcast episode is live. So I know, Pete, you're listening. I want to say thank you for giving me permission to share this right here, right now. The house. When leaving a house, crossing the threshold, you're neither inside nor outside. You're in between. You're at a transitional moment. Some transitions are disruptive, but they're not devastating, right? Switching careers in your 50s, becoming empty nesters, uh, maybe getting married after you've been single into your 40s, retirement, stuff like that. These types of transitions and others like them, they, they turn our worlds around and they shake us up a bit. But they don't impact us in our core like some other transitions. I'll say it this way. They turn our world around, but not upside down. My mother recently lost my dad. He died after 63 years of marriage. Now, that's a transition that turns things over, turns things upside down. A spouse leaves, a business fails, a suicide, a a, a drunk driver inserts himself uninvited into your family. These transitions, these guttural moments, they change us forever. For those of us who find ourselves moving out of evangelicalism, the transition feels like one of these topsy-turvy types. We lose sleep. We experience grief feelings. We find friends not returning our calls. We feel alone, so desperately alone. Guttural. Yeah, that's the word. It's guttural. This podcast is for those of us who find ourselves in this guttural place. We've been in the evangelical house, but we're discouraged or disillusioned. And we're just determined not to simply pretend that everything's okay because it's really not with us. So we start moving, moving towards the door. It's terrifying. Our loved ones are saying, hey, hey, where do you think you're going? But 
We're drawn to the outside. Outside the door is a whole new world. This is a world we've been warned about in our churches. I warned people about this world for over 30 years. As you stand just inside the door, looking out over the threshold, observing the outside world, what do you see? Well, first you probably see some kind of yard. Maybe it has a white picket fence. No, forget the white picket fence. That's weird. Just a yard, okay? And let's say that the yard represents other Christians, but Christians that are not evangelicals. So for many of us, we've been told our entire lives that these people are dangerous because they'll lead us astray. I remember being told that Catholics weren't real Christians, that liberal Protestant denominations were deceived, they didn't really believe in the one true God, and that people who followed Jesus but didn't attend church were, quote-unquote, out of fellowship, and I shouldn't trust them. Oh, by the way, you'll find many of your young adult children out in this yard. They left the house a while ago, but many of you are just kind of finding this out recently. And your efforts to lasso the young'uns back inside have been fruitless. Because you've been told that the yard isn't safe, you find yourself heartsick that your kids are out there. I get that. Let's keep moving outward. Beyond the yard is the street. Let's make the street the thoroughfare of current secular thought. Once again, I was taught in my evangelical training to stay away from the road, that if I ventured into it, I'd be run over by speeding concepts of reality, science, philosophy, sociology, anthropology. None of these things were squaring with the Bible. An archaeological find grabs our attention, and we start to see how some of the history in the Bible doesn't seem thoroughly historical, or we find ourselves struggling with an addiction, and we don't feel safe telling the acquaintances that we have at church, so we make our way into a 12-step meeting that meets smack dab in the middle of this road, and we discover people on diverse spiritual journeys finding sobriety and peace, restoration of relationships, and even, like, full life. It's so confusing. Because we were always told that people out in the world were chronically unhappy and were hopelessly in bondage to their addictions, but that isn't what we find out on the road. Someone introduces us to scholarly works about mythology and We start to see similarities between some biblical stories and other stories from around the world, from across the ages. And this raises so many questions. And the road, it it feels kind of dangerous, you know? But wow, it's stimulating too. On the other side of the road, if you can survive the journey across, you might find yourself in the fascinating cacophony of world religions, the nether regions, right? You'll encounter Judaism first. It's, it's actually the only one that's allowed anywhere near our house. You might run across some wisdom from Buddhism, but you won't tell anyone, or a poem from Rumi that moves you deeply or challenges your thinking. But you'll probably run back to the yard pretty quickly because, well, you still love Jesus. You want to walk with him. and You want to honor him, and you're 
You're really confused as to how to do that at the seminal moment in your life with so much happening all around you. It's almost bedtime, so back into the house until tomorrow. You see, our minds tell us to stay away from anything outside the Christian tradition. We don't go anywhere near the street. We don't even go out into the yard a lot of the times. We just stay inside the house. We're told to stay inside the house because it's safe there. Just go into the library inside the house and read the vetted authors that align with our particular flavor of evangelicalism and do what our pastor says because he, and it's always got to be a man, they say, he is our authority. How is that working for you? I mean, full disclosure, it just isn't working for me anymore. There was a phrase that was popular when I was young. It went like this. You don't have to check your brain in at the door to believe in Jesus. You know, I think there's a lot of truth to that notion. I believe that. However, I have come to believe that one does have to check their brain in at the door to fully align with modern evangelicalism. Let me try and explain what I mean. When I was in my Baptist college, I minored in Bible. We would be studying a portion of the text, which I just loved. And we would come across something that didn't make sense to our minds or our sensibilities. Yeah, this is an obvious example. The genocidal passages in the Old Testament. I mean, how could a God of love allow for this? Or worse yet, command his people to kill every man, woman, and child, except for the young virgin women. (laughs) Reading Numbers 31 as an impressionable 18-year-old freshman was, shall we say, eye-opening. In verse 1 of Numbers 31, God instructs Moses to, and I quote, take vengeance, end quote, on the Midianites. As part of this vengeance, Moses gives this instruction, quote, now, Kill all the boys and kill every woman who has slept with a man. But save for yourselves every girl who has never slept with a man. End quote. That's Numbers 31, 17, and 18. Yikes! Like, yikes! So I'm sitting in my intro to Old Testament class, and we hear this, and we ask the professor, Professor, like, how can this be? How many rules of the Geneva Convention are violated in this text? I mean, seriously, apparently with God's approval. Dr. O.T. Ph.D. presents four or five common evangelical explanations to make us feel better. As he's talking, I'm taking notes and I'm checking each one off the list as, well, I'll just say intellectually untenable. They just don't make sense to me. They don't work. When we get to the end of the list, the teacher says something like this. If none of these explanations work for us, we're just going to need to trust that the Bible is true and inerrant, that God knows what he's doing, and see this as a mystery that'll just make sense one day. Did you hear that? That's another way of saying, if these logically infeasible answers don't work for you, Check your brain in at the door. It's just a mystery. Is another way of saying, stop thinking about it. We can't figure it out. I just could never do this. I could never just stop thinking about it. 
I okay, I've been struggling with the genocidal Old Testament passages for 35 years, along with, well, multiple other problems the Bible raises or fails to address. I so wish I could just say it's just a mystery, but I can't. Because I've come to believe and know that God is love. I see love in the person of Jesus in the pages of Scripture, and I know him to be the exact representation of God the Father, as it says in the book of Hebrews. I know God is a God of love, and there's nothing that could be considered or defined or described as love in God's interaction with Moses and the people of Israel in Numbers 31. So I find myself questioning my understanding of inerrancy to try to figure out how to make sense of all this. I've read so much on this from the library inside the house. And there's no one that is an answer that satisfies my abject abhorrence of those Old Testament texts. So, you know, I find myself on the threshold. Wondering if maybe someone out in the yard or on the road or even beyond might be able to help me with some of these questions I have. The physical library I left behind at Bent Tree, the church that I used to pastor, uh, in that library, you can find a book by Dr. Gleason Archer. He's a, a brilliant and compassionate scholar from the seminary that I attended. It's called The Encyclopedia of Bible Difficulties. Okay, <laughs> there's an encyclopedia of Bible difficulties. It's 476 pages long. Apparently, this book was not exhaustive enough because Norm Geisler, another scholar, came out with his own called, I get this, The Big Book of Bible Difficulties, which addresses over 800 difficult questions that people have about the Bible. His book, Geisler's book, is 624 pages long. That's 1,100 pages of explanations in just two books, and there are many other books like this, from inside the house. Whenever someone says the Bible is clear about their passionate soapbox issue, just raise an eyebrow and let them know that two of the best scholars that evangelicalism has ever produced had to write 1,100 pages to explain difficult passages to the masses. The Bible has many things. Clear? Not so much. Can I just say it? For most of us, the Bible is difficult to understand. There are confusing things said in the Bible that necessitate encyclopedias to be written to explain them, and in many cases, explain them away. When I was a pastor, I would run across something in the biblical text that I was studying that seemed to say the opposite of what I've always believed, right? So that's the problem. So I would pull Archer or Geisler off the shelf, and more times than not, I would finish my reading less than satisfied with the answers provided. Maybe I should have been looking outside the house instead. Maybe a Catholic priest or a Greek Orthodox scholar. Maybe a Harvard-trained New Testament professor or, or a history professor from Baylor University or a world-famous climate scientist or maybe a young pastor leading a church very different from the one I led. Uh, yeah, these are real people, and I've met them all in the yard in the last few years, and they're messing with everything I once thought I thought, and I'm finding it terrifying and invigorating all at the same time. 
Is anyone else out there experiencing this? Is anyone else stepping out and feeling the terror? Meanwhile, back inside the house, the women who aren't walking out the front door are busy at work in the kitchen and the nursery. That's what they do inside the house. LGBTQ people are told to wait outside while a group of heterosexual men convene to decide whether they can come in and what they need to do with their partners and children if they do decide to come in. Hey, someone run out and tell our LGBTQ friends not to hold their breath. Uh, This committee might be stalling for years. Politicians have taken over the living room. They're having strategy sessions and donor events, and lobbyists are whining and dining the pastors of the biggest churches. While in the back corridor, there are two guys fighting over something called CRT. Oh, and the kids, the young people, they all just escaped, but the adults haven't noticed yet. If this house were a ship, people would be jumping ship, but it's not a ship. It's a house. So people are jumping house. I'm not here to burn the house down. I don't have that kind of influence. I know that. And honestly, I don't want to burn it down. I've got family and friends in there. I'm just convinced there's a better way to walk with Jesus than what evangelicalism is offering us right now. I think there are better ideas out there, fresh thinkers and beautiful ways of living the Christian life. The kids who are running across the cornfield behind the house, we ran them off. I hope some of them will listen to this podcast because I want them to know that Jesus is still worth following, knowing, loving, enjoying. And I want them to know they can do that outside the house. This podcast is for anyone with one foot inside the house and the other stepping out. This podcast is for anyone venturing out into the yard and wishing they had friends to talk about what they're learning there. This podcast is for those dodging cars on the parkway right now, blown away by new ideas, yet still clinging to Jesus and still loving his vision for mankind. This podcast is for former evangelicals who find themselves in the hinterlands but still love Jesus, want to learn about him. This podcast is for people in the house who are looking through the window into the cornfield and they see their children out there getting farther and farther away. They want to understand why they're leaving home. And they want them to find Jesus out there somewhere. This podcast is not for people comfortably hanging out in the house. You won't like it. I I promise you. I'm just going to save you a lot of time. You won't like it and you'll want to argue with me. I promise you. This podcast is not for folks who are in the house, in the library, writing papers about how right they are and how wrong everyone stepping towards the door is. It's not for you. This podcast will frustrate you and you'll be tempted to jump in front of the door to try to keep us inside. But friends... It's too late. The house isn't working for us anymore. Well, there you go. Pete Briscoe, thank you so much. 
Number one for creating your own podcast, Kind Evangelical. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Also, thank you for writing such a beautiful piece that is a metaphor that so brilliantly describes the journey for those who are walking out of the evangelical belief system that maybe they grew up with. Also, thank you for giving me permission to share that in this podcast, the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. I do want to state that by including Pete's audio from his podcast, his permission to include it here by no way, in any way, shape, or form, does it endorse anything that you will hear in the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. He did not ask me to make that disclaimer. I offered it when I actually reached out to ask for permission. But I do want to clearly indicate that by no means the inclusion of Pete Briscoe's The House Metaphor shared here with his permission in no way endorses anything that I or any of my guests ever in any episode of this podcast says. There's no endorsement here whatsoever. Pete never had heard the name Cliff Ravenscraft before I emailed him a couple of weeks ago, and he still knows very little about me. And so just understand that Pete may have no idea how much further into the nether regions outside of the house I've been. So I'd like to share with you a little bit. Why did I want to share Pete's message about the house and this metaphor with you? First, I want to let you know that there are many in this community who have no experience in the Protestant or evangelical church and Some of them I've had conversations with, they're like, Cliff, I do not understand all this apprehension that you're experiencing. Why are you feeling any concern about how this is going to impact your business and whether or not people will unfollow you and unfriend you and unsubscribe from you if you were more open about your broadened perspective of seeing God from different perspectives? And I'm like, well, (laughs) if you grew up in the environment where I did, you would understand. So... I love how Pete describes that there are transitions in our lives that are disruptive, but not devastating. However, he did such an incredible job of explaining, and even though he was, I believe, obviously reading it, he read it with the real emotion from whence those words came. See, I had walked outside of the house of evangelicalism and so many other aspects like leaving the house. I walked out into the yard many years ago. September 2011 was the last time my wife and I had decided to go to any kind of weekly congregational gathering. And so we've been playing out in the yard for years. And quite frankly, I forgot about just how much of a guttural experience that was. For those who grew up in evangelical fundamentalist Christianity, You could literally lose connection with your closest friends. You may lose that so-called unconditional love from family members. For many people, it is literally a loss of your identity. Well, if I'm not this, who am I? This is what I've always believed. This is who I thought I was. And it can cause a little bit of an identity crisis. This is a pretty big deal, given the fact that I'd been so far removed from stepping over the threshold out of the house and been playing in the yard, 
for so long, I loved the way that he describes it and he does more justice to the emotional impact of stepping outside of this house. And so I I felt, number one, I wanted those of you who have not been in this to hear an explanation of this move out of the evangelical belief system from somebody who has done this more recently and has communicated in such a beautiful way. Another reason why I wanted to share this with you is that there are some of you who are still a part of the Protestant evangelical church, and you may think that Cliff Ravenscraft is the only person you've ever known who has ventured this far outside of the safety of the house. Maybe you've been watching me over the last several years, and you've seen me playing out in the yard and not spending any time in the house. Maybe you've been told that, hmm, I don't know, Cliff seems pretty happy. He seems to have a really great connection with Jesus. He still seems to be bearing fruit of the Spirit. But I've been warned that people like Cliff who play out in the yard, it's a slippery slope, and I'm wondering. And of course, in the last three and a half years, I ventured out beyond the yard. I went across the street, and I've been into the, the nether regions of all sorts of explorations. Some of you who may still be in the evangelical church may think, are there other people out there? There are far more people who have become discouraged or disillusioned with evangelicalism well beyond me, and it's in the millions, and it may be in the tens of millions. We're out there. We're out here in this world doing all sorts of things and exploring things. I, If you haven't done so already, you might want to consider watching the documentary on Amazon Prime titled Shiny Happy People, Duggar Family Secrets. And this is a documentary about the Duggar family. It's a pretty hardcore edge case all the way down to the extreme on the fundamentalist side of evangelical Christianity. But so much of the things that are taught, even there, had sprinkled into so many different various forms of the evangelical Christian churches that I was a part of, including the Methodist Church, the Nazarene Church, the Baptist Church, the Pentecostal Church, the Assembly of God Church, the Church of Christ Church, and so many more. So if you haven't checked out that, you may want to look into that and see just how deep some of this stuff can go and and the kind of beliefs and the way that that things are handled out there, and and it may open your eyes into some of the other things that are going on. I don't think that that's the point of Pete Briscoe, that he's trying to encourage people to leave the house. I love that he says, I'm not looking to burn down the house. He still has friends and family that he loves inside the house, and I do as well. I have many friends and family who are inside the house, and I love them, and that house is still serving them well. They don't have the same concerns that I had, and they are surrounded by a loving, supportive community. Their beliefs and their questions, or they have, or their lack of questions, are not causing the same issues for them that it did for me. And so, as long as they're experiencing a sense of the presence of God in their lives, and as long as they're at peace, and they're experiencing love and community, by all means, if this is what you are experiencing, and also that hopefully they're able to love others as they love themselves, maybe gentleness and respect is what they use when they're sometimes asked to give a reason for the hope they have, and maybe hopefully they're they're waiting until people ask instead of 
shoving it down their throats and stuff like that. But, you know, whatever's working for them, who am I to judge? And, and I just, that's the way that I feel about it. Anyway, another reason why I wanted to share this metaphor is because I love the whole idea of when you're on the threshold, you're neither inside or outside, you're somewhere one step in, one step out, and that guttural feeling of that. And I love that he then gives the mental image of being in the yard and the street and then what's beyond across the street. If you were to listen to this entire podcast from beginning all the way up until this episode, you would see that this podcast started episode one. I was in the house and I was in the house for a while. And you'll notice that I started to see the front door open and I was looking out and I saw that there were all sorts of exciting things happening out in the yard. And I was warned not to go outside the house, but I did. I began playing in the in the yard and yeah, I, I did find some Christians out there who were not evangelicals, who were not fundamentalists, people who did not have any problem at all of experiencing a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus, and having nothing to do with the institutionalized version of Christianity. And so I played out in that yard since September 2011, and I love that he talked about the fact that evangelicals are told that these Christian denominations or these groups of people are dangerous and they they lead people astray. And yeah, I, I've experienced that. I've experienced those warnings of myself. I've been warned about the dangers that I present to others by living this example. I have also grown up, given the fact that I went to Protestant churches throughout my entire lifetime and seven years in Catholic school, even though I'm not Catholic, I'd also been taught many times that Catholics are not real Christians. I've been told that liberal Protestant denominations are deceived and walked away from the truth. All of these things that he's talked about, I've experienced them, and I love that, that it resonated so much with my own experiences that I thought it'd be fun for me to share somebody else who has experienced this. Now, when it comes down to it, I don't know where Pete's podcast is going to go after episode three. I've listened to the first three episodes. They're brilliant. I encourage you to listen to all of them. In the show notes to this episode, I'm going to put a link to Pete Briscoe's Kind of Angelical podcast. It seems to me that his mission, his purpose is to encourage people to find and follow or stay with Jesus and find a way to live out that Christian life without the doctrine of fundamentalist evangelicalism. And from what I've learned and studied, it seems to me like he's very familiar with the fact that there are other world religions out there and other people on other spiritual paths who have found a deep, meaningful peace love, joy, and union with God kind of experience who may not have ever read the Bible and who may respect greatly what they've heard of Jesus or studied about Jesus or may not know Jesus at all. I don't know where he's going to go in his conversations, his interviews, whether or not he's going to talk to people from a Buddhist or a Sikh or a Sufi background or new age, new thought kind of individuals. You if you're listening to me, you know that I've already begun to do that. We've, we're, 
we've not only had episodes in here that are all about playing in the yard, we've been way out into the wilderness. We've traveled so far away from the house that sometimes I, I wonder if I could even find my way back to that house again. I love the fact that he had this metaphor. I love this whole idea. I I love also where he shared that we were always told that people out in the world were chronically unhappy and were hopelessly in bondage to their addictions. But this isn't what we find out in the road. I agree with this. This is exactly what I was told, is that people out in the world were chronically unhappy and hopelessly in bondage to their addictions. While there certainly is evidence to support the fact that there are a lot of people out in the world who are fit that description, the reality is is I saw the same percentage of that reality inside of the church. Quite frankly, I was chronically unhappy inside of the church. Quite honestly, I had my own addictions that I experienced within the church or within the house, if you will. So I noticed it there. And and what happened is I also noticed that there were times when inside of the house, I experienced great peace, love, and joy. And I also will be quick to point out the fact that I've met many people who have great peace, love, and joy within the house of evangelical fundamentalist Christianity and who I believe live out a great and beautiful life in a way that very much is like what I see Christ living out in what we read about him. So I have seen that, but here's the interesting thing. I've seen it outside of the house. I've seen it outside of the yard. I've seen it outside of the road. I've seen it out in the world and throughout all humanity. And that's what I've been studying over the last three and a half years. And so I'm excited to see how far Pete will go in his podcast. Pete says his podcast is for those who are one foot in and one foot out. He says that he's doing the content that he's doing for a community who's processing these changes, who are embracing new ideas, but are clinging to Jesus. And parents of kids who have left the faith and praying for their kids to find Jesus. And I love the fact that he says, listen, this is not for those who are happily inside the house and arguing about those who are leaving. He's like, listen, th- this this podcast will frustrate you. And there's a lot of commonality as to what this podcast, EOTC, is. But I would say that I'm not necessarily only for those who are clinging to Jesus. I personally still cling to my relationship with Jesus. It is a very real decision on my part. I have lots of reasons for the hope that I have in my relationship with Jesus. But I also have full alignment and connection and experience oneness with those who come from a Hindu or a Sikh perspective or a New Age spiritual, uh, non-religious spiritual path. There's a lot of people that I find perfect union and alignment with, and we even experience, I would say, the same one true God, and we also experience the same oneness through Christ consciousness even though through my experience, I experienced that through my relationship with Jesus, in addition to many other amazing people of great spiritual wisdom and love and and potentially other ascended, enlightened masters that have come into this planet for world missions. So 
I'm a little bit further out there, I think, than what Pete might go into his podcast. And one of the reasons why I wanted to share this is maybe at some point you might be saying, gosh, the stuff that Cliff's doing, I thought it was appealing to me, but I don't know. There's there's some conversations he's had. There's some things that he's done. And, and the fact that he has gone across the street and ventured off and so much that he's disappeared beyond the horizon, he claims to have the relationship with Jesus out there, but I just don't understand how that's even possible. And maybe that doesn't appeal to you. And maybe at some point you may choose to no longer follow me here in this podcast. And Pete's podcast might be a better option for you. So that's another reason why I wanted to include this. So I'm going to put a link to Pete's podcast, Kind of Evangelical, just in case you're interested in following along in Pete's journey Three episodes out there as of the time I'm recording this. I've listened to all three. They are brilliant. They are authentic to the core. And I love his content. And I'm going to continue to follow it. And I'm going to continue to be challenged by those who cling to the version of Christianity. But also, I'm going to study it in light of what I've experienced outside of anything related to Christian tradition outside of anything that is from a biblical perspective, but also knowing so much of my own journey is the infusion and and the melding of all of my experiences to be uniquely who I am and be the fullest expression of who I am in the world. So future episodes of this podcast are going to talk about ex-evangelicalism. There may be people that come in from other more fundamentalist, even more cultish kind of backgrounds. I have had many relationships and friends who are coming out of some pretty interesting backgrounds. And I may bring people who have never had any connection to Christianity whatsoever, as I've already done. And I also feel that I will probably include some of the stuff that I study that I love Things like Abraham Hicks, the Seth material, or Seth Speaks, and I might even talk about Bashar. If you've never heard of who these people are, uh, you may be in for some pretty surprising content into the future. But with that being said, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed that 18 to 20 minute audio clip from Pete Briscoe. If you resonated with him and what I've shared about him, And there's so much more to learn about Pete and his story, especially in episode two. But do listen to all of episode one first. Go check it out, Kind Evangelical Podcast. Until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do in life to the next level.